You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dada. Well, today I'm going to take a little bit of time, and we're going to talk a little bit about our rivals. Because we don't play football in a vacuum. If we're going to win games, it's because other teams are losing games. That's kind of how that works. But I kind of want to get into a little bit of the DNA of what's going on in the NFC North. Um, and I guess I want to start with the Vikings or the, excuse me, the lions. Cause I have no idea where they're at right now. I really don't. If, if you guys are in touch with any lions fans and have any idea what they're doing, maybe they just don't exist. I have no idea. I don't know if they're excited or optimistic. I don't know if they're kind of just like down in the dumps. Cause it's like, yeah, we're, we're the lions. We'll mess it up. I have no idea. I wish I could do all three teams from the vantage point of, where is the fan base and why are they either right or wrong? Probably wrong. But I don't know. I have no idea where they're at. I think where they should be at is so far we're headed in a good direction. We've got several more steps to take in terms of, uh, you know, going in a positive direction before a positive thing happens like playoffs and, you know, I don't know if we should say it, but Super Bowl kind of thing. I don't know. But we're kind of headed in the right direction. We'll see how it goes. We like our coach. He gets the, the locker room fired up. I think we overperformed last year, believe it or not, despite winning like a half a game. And if we could continue that success as well as add on some talent, like I think we did in the draft, we'll have to see how that pans out. Then, you know, we might have a decent team this year. Eight, nine wins, maybe. I don't know. Probably not, but possibly. You know, we got the wide receivers. We got a decent offensive line. We have a semi-capable uh, quarterback and We've got some wide receiver threats. We not only have uh, St. Brown, but we added DJ Chark, and then we went out and got Jamison. So we've got some speed for sure. Chark is a big speed guy, and Jamison's a speed guy, and I'm on rock and operate underneath. And, you know, we got, we've been investing in running backs. I don't know if any of them are ever, ever going to materialize, but uh, now that we have deep threats, maybe we can run the ball a little bit. I'm not going to get into the whole, you know, we need to establish the run so that we can utilize our deep threats, and we can't run the ball, so that kind of sucks. But, you know, maybe it'll work itself out. I don't know. Added pass rush, which was a major weakness of the team. And we've invested a ton in cornerbacks. Whether these guys are ever going to wake up, I don't know. But you see what I'm saying? It's it's starting to come around. I think that's where Lions fans should be. Optimistic that someday something good will happen. Maybe this time, you know, something good will happen. I don't know. But the, the I think the one annoying thing is, and, and listen, all, all respect in the world to Lions fans who are like, look, I, I know not to run my mouth. I'm not an idiot. Fair enough. But I think you should start chirping up a little bit because there's nothing more that I want to see right now than Lions fans getting on Twitter or getting on Facebook or whatever and um, just not, not even arguing, but just telling Bears fans, just so you know, we will be in third place and you will be in fourth place this year. Like if you want to say second place, first place, whatever, that's not really the point. The point is Bears fans are in a way right now. They are in some kind of a way and we're going to talk about that, but they, they are... Um, Nothing would upset them more than to have Lions fans pop up and just say, we're going to be better than you this year. You don't even have to say we're going to be good. I just want to see what's going to happen because I really don't think there's going to be much pushback. I think the pushback is going to be, you've been so historically bad, you have no right to talk. I don't think very many Bears fans are even going to argue with you. 
Some of them might, but that's what's, that's what's beautiful about it. So I'm, I'm going to put that out into the universe right now, actually. Now, I still think the biggest issue for the Lions is that their defense is going to be garbage. I know they went out and got Aiden Hutchinson. That's cool. We'll see if he can do anything. Um, you know, as much as he was kind of seen as like the guy, you know, he was sort of like the Bosa of this class. I know there's the other guy that's got all the athleticism. But really, if you look for like the Chase Young or the Joey or Nick Bosa or whatever, it was really probably Aiden Hutchinson. But he was much less hyped up than a lot of those other guys. He was, in, he was nowhere near a Nick or Joey Bosa. He wasn't even near Chase Young, and Chase Young came out of college and really wasn't very good. I mean, he was fine. He won Defensive Rookie of the Year and all that stuff. Um, but the numbers really weren't there. The, the pressures really weren't there. I mean, he was kind of a well-rounded, good run-defending type whatever. But, um, you know, Hutchinson, especially operating completely by himself, you know, the linebackers, the defensive tackles, the uh, pass rushers opposite him, there's not a lot of help, not to mention the corners really struggling. So his ability to have any time to get to the quarterback, I wouldn't be putting money on him winning defensive rookie of the year. Let's just put it that way, which by the way, if we have time, not sure, uh, I kind of want to talk about that too. But that is going to be the, the, the biggest hindrance to it. I mean, even if you just look at week one against the Philadelphia Eagles, you look at it and go, well, this is kind of the team that you would expect them, if, if they are going to be like a, a 500 team, which is not possible, but roughly eight or nine wins, these are the kinds of teams you beat up on. The Eagles, the Commanders, maybe the Seahawks, because they completely suck now. Um, you got, I don't know, if Miami's any good or whatever. You got the Bears, obviously, twice. You got the Giants. You got uh, the Jaguars, the Jets. There's some wins in there. But if you look at Philadelphia's offense compared to this defense, they're going to get completely destroyed. First of all, Philadelphia's offense is pretty lethal. It's all going to kind of depend on Hurts, but the offensive line is still one of the top in football. Goddard was the second best tight end in football. They've got uh, Devonta Smith as well as A.J. Brown now on this team. Um, and you're going up against what? The worst linebacking group in football and, and some garbage corners and all that? So I still think they're going to be bad, but I, I would be willing to bet they're better than the Bears. But the, the, the bigger point, though, is it doesn't matter if they are. The point is, right now, May 28th, Bears fans know in their subconscious that they are a worse team. Whether they're going to admit it, whether it's even true, it doesn't matter because deep down inside, they know they're really, really, really bad. And it's just going to cut them to their core. And that's all I'm asking, Lions fans. I just want you to cut them deeply. And um, I think the only other note about the Lions is my biggest fear was that they were going to lose enough games to where they're going to end up with one of the top two quarterbacks. But real quick college football talk, I think about 30 seconds after the 2022 NFL draft, we started hearing 2023 was loaded with quarterbacks and the top two quarterbacks are elite, dominant, you know, just top tier, can't miss prospects. That lasted 30 seconds, and now all of a sudden, there's two quarterbacks at the top. They're still sitting at the top of a lot of consensus, but everything I've listened to, everything I've looked at, nobody likes any of these guys. There might be some quarterbacks further down the line that people think, well, maybe this guy will be good. That could be. The top two guys, specifically talking about C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, it's, just, it, it's weird because, again, on, if you look at the consensus, you look at anything written, these guys go real early, but first of all, C.J. Stroud is an Ohio State quarterback, so nobody cares. Nobody likes him. I'm, I'm positive that's what it is. Like, if Justin Fields can't do it, nobody can do it. Because that was about as good as it gets as far as 
college quarterbacks, and that dude can't do it. I really think that's a big part of why, because, you know, I, I have my 2023 um, board already done based on all the statistics and everything else. C.J. Stroud is way up there. He's, he's one spot lower than Bryce Young, but he's, he's graded really, really well. Everybody hates him. I'm positive it's because he's an Ohio State quarterback. Even J.J., who's an Ohio State fan, is like, nah, he's not that good. He's just, just not, not super high. Nobody's high on C.J. Stroud. And even worse than that is Bryce Young. Because Bryce Young, <laughs> I think he's listed at like 5'11 or something like that. And I was listening to a podcast, and they're like, I will eat my hat if this dude is anywhere near six foot. There's, there's talk about him being like maybe 5'10", 5'9", like really, really, really small. So I don't, I, uh, the, the whole point of this though is I don't know that the Lions, even if they are at the top, let's say they're just a garbage team and everything falls apart and they don't really take a step and they're still winning two to three games and they get the number one, two, three over. I think they're probably taking a defensive lineman. I mean, they're already loaded up with wide receivers, so I don't think you're really worried about that. It's a pretty loaded wide receiver class. You're maybe looking at, I mean, depending on where they pick, if they're in the top 10, maybe a cornerback, but it's probably, you know, if you're if they're number one, they, they go Will Anderson and they got a, a pass rush duo, which isn't great. But the point is, I don't think they're a serious contender until they get a serious quarterback. And I don't know if 2023 is the year they get a serious quarterback. Now, there's always crazy stuff that happens during the offseason. You know, a quarterback decides he's going somewhere else and who knows, maybe somebody, you know, uh, Maybe Russell's on the move again. I don't know. But the point is, I'm significantly less scared about them getting this just can't-miss prospect. And even if they do get a guy, he's unlikely to be anything in 2023. So we're looking at maybe 2024, that quarterback starts to figure it out. So we're so far removed, in my mind, from the Lions being a serious threat. Now, they're always a threat to the Packers. Even when they're garbage, they're a threat to beating the Packers. But I'm talking about actually being a serious threat in terms of a football team, Uh, meeting them in the playoffs, getting eliminated by them in the playoffs, and even worse, possibly having to watch your rival win a Super Bowl, which would just be devastating. Fortunately, I've never in my life seen that. But I think think we're so far removed from that, from even the Lions who, you know, you got to be real bad when you've had like a, you, you basically knocked a draft out of the park, and then you come back and you have another draft where you're just loaded with players. And it's still like, yeah, you got, you got quite a ways to go yet. And so I guess fingers crossed that C.J. Stroud just absolutely dominates and um, ends up being that top pick and the Lions get him because then you got two Ohio State quarterbacks in the NFC North and, uh, you know, helmet scouting might be stupid, but I'll, I'll go ahead and play the, lot, the odds anyways. I don't know why it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. But anyways, that's all I had to say about the Lions. Again, I wish there was more chirping about the Lions. I wish there was more talk about the Lions. Nobody, Nobody's talking about the Lions. Nobody cares, which is kind of fair, but... I mean, Bears fans suck. They still chirp. Vikings, I don't know what the Vikings are going to be, but it doesn't matter if they're any good. They, they still talk. I'm hearing nothing, so I, I can't really comment on the comments because there are no comments. But I did find an article here. This is from the Draft Network, written by J.B. Butler. No idea who that is. Presumably a giant uh, Vikings fan. And I say that because only a giant Vikings fan would ever write this kind of an article, and I don't know why the Draft Network would even allow it, but I suppose, you know, you don't want to censor people. You're allowed to have, you know, it's, it's a whole free speech thing. It's not just freedom to say smart things. You're free to say really stupid things, too. Why the Vikings will win the NFC North in 2022. Now, you've also, I mean, you've, you've also got five reasons the Vikings will win the North by Bleacher Report. You got, I mean, just, just Google it. There's, there's article after article after article after article. Personally, I think it's more interesting to go back in time and look at how many times you've seen this. 
For example, last year, the gap is closing between the Packers and the rest of the NFC North. If you just start off this article, remember, this is from last year. And the, the thing is that these, I just, wanna, I just want you to hear it because we know how the story ends. And we're going to hear similar things this year, just about different people that are going to save franchises and all that. The Bears may very well look back on their first two selections of the past draft as the picks that helped turn the tide of the franchise. That would be Justin Fields and Tevin Jenkins. You would have been hard-pressed to find a Chicago fan that was legitimately excited to see Andy Dalton line up as a QB1 this season, but the Bears maneuvered their way into one of the steals of the draft, trading up to select Justin Fields at number 11. Not since the selection of Matt Stafford first overall by the Lions in 2009 has there been a quarterback who brought this much excitement and potential into the division. If he lives up to his billing, Fields would presumably take the title of best quarterback in the division from Aaron Rodgers. Fields was rated as high as number two on several draft boards, and Packer fans should definitely worry about what could certainly be an impending Rookie of the Year campaign. Oof. Boy, oh boy, was that a big swing and a miss, huh? Also, the Chicago Brass liked their second selection, Oklahoma State tackle Tevin Jenkins, so much they went ahead and released their incumbent left tackle, Charles Leno. Boy, was that a bad decision, huh? Charles Leno was a great left tackle. Tevin Jenkins didn't even play. The Bears felt like they were getting a cornerstone first-round talent in the second round, even though Jenkins had primarily been a right tackle in college. He's going to be counted on early to step into a big role. For the record, Tevin Jenkins never took a single snap until week 14 against the Packers when he had a 25 overall grade. That was his first snap, so so much for early. The Bears draft was top-heavy. They were without a third or fourth-round pick, but getting two of the most important positions solidified is an advantage they have on the Packers right now. This, This is part of the thing I want to point out. So often around this time of year, there's just assumptions that the guys we picked are going to be perfect, right? Just from, from rookie year on, like we, we didn't do much, but what we did fixes everything. Just assumptions, right? You look at uh, Jamison Williams to the Lions, like, well, they got Jamison, so that's done. That's taken care of. Now they've got their wide receivers. Well, well wait a minute. Doesn't he have to be good first? I mean, Packer fans do that. I mean, heck, half of Packer fans don't even think our linebacker is going to be any good. Or, or Devontae or Christian Watson. Half of the fan base doesn't really like Christian Watson. I mean, I, I give Packer fans a little bit of crap for being negative, but at least there's a, an element of at least acknowledging this might not pan out. And this is from a fan base, from a team that drafts better than your average team, certainly better than the Bears or the Lions or the Vikings. And yet so often you see this stuff. Right. Well, we didn't do much, but left tackle and quarterback are now solidified. It's done. And that's a major advantage over the Packers, which makes no sense because our left tackle and quarterback position is already solidified and actually solidified in terms of we know who they are and we know that they're very good. Anyways, then he moves on to the Vikings. Remember, this whole thing is about how the the Packers are not getting any better, but everybody else is. The Vikings had one of the best individual moves of the draft, trading back nine spots, adding two third round picks and still selecting cornerstone tackle. They need Christian Derrissaw. Now, to be fair, Derrissaw is pretty good. Not elite by any stretch, but a 72 overall grade, 36th ranked tackle. It's, it's good, right, for a rookie, especially at a premium position. I'll take that all day. Furthermore, he started playing in week five. So, I mean, that's certainly better than week 14, in my opinion. I don't know. It's just, it's just an opinion, but, you know, to each his own, I guess. But that's where things start to devolve. It goes on to say, with three new defensive starters, Patrick Peterson, Xavier Woods, and Dalvin Tomlinson, Already signed in free agency, they had a bit more flexibility in the draft, and general manager Rick Spielman had himself a heck of a weekend as a result. Let's stop there for a second. First of all, Patrick Peterson. Patrick Peterson is just a name. Patrick Peterson is is one of the guys that 
because he used to be really, really good, and and this was a long time ago, um, people still think he's a dominant elite player. You know, 6'1", 203, 431 speed, drafted number five overall in 2011. Um, dude has not had a good year since 2018, and that was the first time he had a good year since 2016. In fact, he's had five good years in his career, according to PFF, 2012 and 13, 2015 and 16, and 2018. He has not had a good year since. So he's had two years in a row of of subpar to bad play, and then the Vikings added him, and it's like, hey, well, we got the again, the whole thing of it's done. It's solidified. We figured it out. It's it's just a done deal now. Says freaking who? He ended up with a 63 overall grade, 57th ranked quarterback, cornerback. Goes on to say, armed with four total picks in the third round, Minnesota made some moves for both present and future, adding another presumptive starting offensive lineman in Wyatt Davis. Pause. How many snaps did Wyatt Davis take last year? Zero. Two defensive pieces in linebacker Chaz Surratt. Pause. How many snaps did Chaz Surratt have last year as a, on defense? Zero. Defensive end Patrick Jones. Pause. How many games did he, he, his first game was in week nine. He played through week 18. Looks like the most snaps he played in a game was 19. He had a 43 overall grade. He didn't even have a rank because he didn't play enough. But let me just uh, clue you in here. His rank would have been really low. He would have been outside of the top 100. As well as project quarterback Kellen Mond from Texas A&M. Pause. Didn't see much Kellen Mond. However, we did see him for three snaps in week 17. He had a 21.8 overall grade, which is impressive to have that bad of a grade with that little amount of opportunities. Now, just to rewind a minute here, if I reread this paragraph, it says Minnesota made some moves for both the present and the future. I'm sorry. The present as in 2021. What did we get in 2021 out of these guys? Oh, yeah, that's right. Nothing. Mon certainly won't push Kirk Cousins for any meaningful snaps this upcoming season, but it's the type of pick that smart teams make. This is, this is the depths they have to go to prove how these teams are going to pass the Packers. A guy with great tools falls to you and the value is right, you snap him up. Sometimes it can be a home run like Dak Prescott. Oh yeah, that's probably what it is. It says sometimes there's reasons it felt like Brett Hundley. This is such a clear Packers hater, it's hilarious. The Vikings are better after this past weekend, and players like Justin Jefferson are only going to improve as well. Spoiler alert, he did not. First of all, that's a stupid sentence to say because you kind of can't improve on Justin Jefferson's rookie season. I mean, it was nearly impossible, but if we're being super strict with it, he had a 90.4 overall grade in 2020. He had a 90.1 overall grade in 2021. He was as good, which is to say still one of the best in football, but it's a stupid sentence because, again, we're trying to force this reality in which everybody's going to get better. Justin Jefferson isn't going to get better. At best, he stays exactly where he is, and Vikings fans should be content with that. But again, the reason he's saying that is because if Justin Jefferson is just as good, then they're not getting better. Justin Jefferson did not get better, and I don't think he's going to get better. He just is what he is, which is a great wide receiver, but the Vikings aren't going to get better because of Justin Jefferson. They're going to have to do something else. So, wrong again. So, out of this whole big thing about the Minnesota Vikings, the only thing that was brought up was Christian Derrissaw, a first-round pick, who is the 36th-ranked tackle in football and is decent. Everybody else didn't play, sucks at football, and Justin Jefferson didn't get better. As a result, the Vikings didn't get better, and they certainly didn't get close to taking over the Green Bay Packers. It really wasn't close. Same could be said about the Bears, who just completely fell off a cliff. He tries to talk about the Lions, which, if anything, that would have been your best bet to talk about the Lions. 
but he basically didn't want to talk about it because he knows that the Lions are going to suck. But he mentioned Penny Sewell. Penny Sewell was not as good as he was expected to be, but he was fine. And then Dan Campbell, he mentioned some biting kneecaps things, and that's about it. Then he tries to go on to explain why, yeah, the Packers are still going to be good, but they're not going to be as good. He says, I'm, I'm sure they're going to be good with Aaron Rodgers. What I do know is that it's really hard to imagine a scenario where Green Bay clinches the division well before Christmas as they did last year. Here's an article from Packers.com. Packers clinched the NFC North with title, uh, NFC North title with a 31-30 victory over the Ravens. This was on December 19th. Last I checked, that is prior to Christmas. Now, he said well before. I don't, you know, I don't know. After that week, week 15, the uh, Packers were 11-13. and 13. The Bears were uh, 4-10. and 10. The Lions were, let's see, 2-11-1. and 1. And the Ravens after week 15 were seven and seven, or the uh, Vikings were seven and seven. Continuing on, it's easy to see a scenario where both the Vikings and the Bears push for 10 wins, especially with a 17 game season. The Vikings ended with eight wins, the uh, Vikings had three, the Bears had six. Nobody got to 10. The closest was the Vikings, and they were two losses short of 10 wins. But again, just pause here for a second. Why is it easy to see? Because if we live in this world, and this is what, it's not just Vikings and Bears and Lions fans. This is, for some reason, the media is obsessed with this. The Packers are not getting better. The Packers have been getting worse every year, every year, every year, every year. And everybody else just keeps getting better and better and better and better and better. Look what the Bears are doing. It's brilliant. Look what the Vikings are doing. It's brilliant. Everybody's brilliant, and the Packers haven't done anything, and so they're going to just start to regress. It's the same narrative every year. All those wins have to come from somewhere, and with each team having two shots against Green Bay, the Packers could easily fall back a game or two, even with Rodgers. They dominated the division last year and had the best odds in Vegas to win its uh, respective division of any team as of just a few weeks ago, but the gap is most certainly closed. And then he posts a uh, shot from somebody on Twitter. NFC North updated Super Bowl odds from yesterday to to today. This is April 30th. This is via Circus Sports. Packers, 14 and a half to one odds. It was 10 to one. So this is after the draft. Even Vegas was like, dude, the Packers are in trouble. The Bears went from 50 to one to 30 to one. Vikings stayed at 50 to one. Lions odds got worse. But he's using this as an example that the the gap is closing because the Packers odds got worse and the Bears odds got better. Well, Vegas was way off because the Packers got better. The Bears got worse. The Vikings, they said, were the same. They were worse. And the Lions are the only team that they said were worse who actually got better. You got the Athletic from last year, Minnesota Vikings 2021 schedule. Are they in the driver's seat in the NFC North? This was written by Arif Hassan. Now, Arif Hassan is a Vikings guy for the Athletic, but it's still the Athletic. Now, to his credit, he predicted that the season record would be 9-8. and eight. So he was, he was pretty dead on with the Vikings. So that's good. I mean, if you're a Vikings guy, you know what the Vikings are doing. That was really close. It was a little bit over-optimistic, but you would expect that from a Vikings fan. Here's the crazy part, though. Predicted division finish. Number one Vikings, number two Packers, number three Bears, number four Lions. Why does he have the Vikings number one? Because he predicted the Packers would be worse than nine and eight. Because at the end of the day, this isn't about loving the Vikings or loving the Bears or loving the Lions. It's about hating the Packers. And again, this isn't just from Vikings and Lions fans and everybody. All these articles that are coming out, it's about predicting and just wanting so badly to believe that the Packers are going to crumble. And it just never happens. It just never happens. It's not just the Vikings. You got the the, the Bears last year. This is via Sportsline.com, NFC North 2021 odds. Bears will win division according to unusual schedule fact. So again, with all that backstory, that brings us back to the Draft Network. Why the Vikings will win the NFC North in 2022. 
Now, he starts off with uh, a dash of reality. Since 2000, the Green Bay Packers have won the NFC North 12 times, more than doubling the success of the Chicago Bears and Minnesota Vikings during that time. However, this upcoming season feels different. Does it, though? I don't think it does. Of all the seasons, this one I feel more confident in than most. Usually it's like, eh, it's us, but the Vikings are close, or "Eh, it's us, but the Bears are close. This year, nobody's close. I'm sorry. But of course, there's the big fallback. With the departure... Of wide receiver Devontae Adams, the Packers don't look like the same caliber of team that we have come to expect. This, again, the obsession, the obsession, the obsession, the obsession. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. As Green Bay was turned into a media circus, the Vikings went to work building a... This is so funny. So the, the, the Packers are just this bumbling, stupid group of crazy drama queens. But while that was going on, the Vikings went to work. Excuse me? What, what drama? There was no drama. There was a departure. There, there's been no drama, though. Last year, there was drama. This year, there's nothing. The Packers have been doing work. They've been, you know, lost a couple of players. They added some players. They drafted players. It's a, you know, they, they extended Jair. It's a normal year. Didn't you guys just fire your whole staff? The staff that, you know had a head coach that hated his entire team and all that. Like, isn't, isn't that you? As Green Bay was turned into a media circus, I don't know how. But again, it's stuff like this that you know this, this, is, this is fake. You, you want to read articles that are real and have actual data, but you start seeing nonsense like this. Like, there is no media circus. Why are you saying that? Because you don't have a very good argument, so you have to turn to this kind of stuff. While, the Green, while Green Bay was turned into a media circus, the Vikings went to work, building a roster that could knock quarterback Aaron Rodgers off his pedestal and bring home their second division title in five years. Wow. Great. How are you going to knock Aaron Rodgers off his pedestal? After the Vikings' disappointing 2021 season, so we've already acknowledged last year sucked, but this year we've done so much work. It's going to change everything. Head coach Kevin O'Connell was brought in to try to steer the ship in the right direction. Minnesota has found its guy again. What do they love to do? Assume that this is fixed now. We went out and got somebody, and so now it's fixed. It can't get worse. It has to only get better, and it's fixed. Doesn't matter that it's his first year, and he still has to implement all this stuff, and the team has no idea how to run this offense or defense or any of that stuff, that this is a whole brand new thing with a brand new GM and a brand new atmosphere and all this stuff mixed with a very old roster that's stuck in its old ways and all this. None of that matters. We got a new guy. New guy has to be perfect, and so that's fixed, and so now we're better. Minnesota has found its guy, given his recent success with quarterback Matt Stafford, an NFC North alumni, in Los Angeles. Oh, well, there you go. That I, What am I talking about? Matt Stafford was good in L.A., so Kevin O'Connell is going to be a great head coach. One-to-one. <laughs> it's irrefutable. I don't even know what that means entirely, but there you go. 
Before making the move to coaching, O'Connell was a third-round pick by the New England Patriots. Nobody cares. Anyways, goes on giving his backstory. He ends up in L.A. L.A. wins the Super Bowl. He's a great coach. Got it. It seemed O'Connell could be the perfect man to get Minnesota back to the postseason. The Vikings roster will allow him to feature bunches and stacks for his receivers still. And running back Dalvin Cook can excel in a wide zone scheme. Okay, first of all, the whole big thing about this coach is what? That he did wonders with Matt Stafford. Are you implying that Kirk Cousins is the problem? Because if you're if you are, you're an idiot. And if you're not... Um, then what the heck are you even bringing that up for? The whole thing he did was like he was good with quarterbacks, right? He, he did a good thing with Matt Stafford, okay? So, so what does that mean? Kirk Cousins, and I've said this a thousand times, he's one of the better quarterbacks in football today. That's not your problem. This is just like saying Justin Jefferson's going to get better and that's going to fix everything. No, he's not. Justin Jefferson is very good. He's not going to get better. You have to get better in other areas if you're going to improve the team. You don't get better in areas that you're already great. Well, we're going to fix this quarterback. No, he's playing at his peak. There is no better version of Kirk Cousins. Where did you get better outside of the areas that you're already good? Where? I don't know. He hasn't brought it up yet. Maybe we'll get there. And the Vikings didn't just improve their coaching staff this offseason. They added veteran players like linebackers Jordan Hicks and Zadarius Smith and defensive tackle Harrison Phillips in free agency. All right, let's stop there. Zadarius Smith old, broke down, had one good year in his career, despite people thinking he had a good second year. It was okay. Broken, disgruntled, Zedarius, right? Okay. Also, you failed to mention that he's replacing someone, right? You lost an edge rusher, and now you added an edge rusher. And by the way, you're also leaving out the part where you added him because you need someone that's familiar with this scheme because it's a new scheme. And the guys that are there don't know it. Beyond that, you're talking about Jordan Hicks. Well, you're adding Jordan Hicks because you lost a linebacker, right? You lost one, And so you're adding someone, and the guy you're adding, 30 years old, not a very good linebacker. At least he hasn't been since he was with Philadelphia. He went to Arizona for three years and was a bad linebacker for three years. Then you mention Harrison Phillips. He's fine as a pure run defender. He offers zero as a pass rusher. Zero. By the way, Harrison Phillips, um, formerly of the Buffalo Bills, Buffalo Bills run a 4-3 scheme. You now switch to a 3-4 scheme and are going to bring him in to a, so he, he has to learn the new scheme also, because he's not going to be familiar with it, but okay. These signings all have a chance to significantly help the team, especially in clutch time, which, I, I, by the way, again, you added Jordan Hicks, who's replacing somebody that left. Zadarius Smith is replacing someone that left. Harrison Phillips is replacing someone that left. These are not additions. These are replacements. So significantly help the team is a slight exaggeration, especially in clutch time, which Minnesota struggled with last year. What does that even mean? I mean, I get how Zadarius could maybe help in clutch time, where it's, you know, third, I mean, he was pretty good third down, getting that sack or whatever, bringing that extra pressure. But again, you're not adding, you're replacing. So you had it last year and it didn't work. And so you replace them with someone that's about as good, maybe slightly better with Zadarius. I don't know. Jordan Hicks, I don't think is any better. Harrison Phillips, I don't think is any better. Especially when you're talking about clutch time. Clutch time means what? Fourth and two? I guess maybe, but that's, that's not clutch anything. Also, the signing of Smith from the Packers hurt their rival's pass rush depth. Uh, You didn't sign him from the Green Bay Packers. He was released from the Green Bay Packers. He went to another team and then decided to come over to the Vikings. By the way, if we could just stop for a second, how much money did that guy make? He isn't making um, top pass rusher in the NFL money these days, is he? It's probably for a reason. Along with their new draft picks, safety Lewis Seen and cornerback Andrew Booth, uh, these new defensive additions have placed Minnesota right in the hunt for a potential division title. Again, first of all, two guys. Second of all, two rookies. 
if your entire hopes come down to three guys that replace guys that left who are kind of old and broke down and don't really fit your scheme or whatever, um, a entirely new coaching staff and two draft picks, that's going to change everything. That's kind of silly. By the way, Lewis seen, you guys have had good safety since forever. If he comes in and is one of the best safeties in football, nothing in Minnesota changes. We've seen that every year. It doesn't make a difference. Andrew Booth is a first, or what was he, second round, first round? Where did you get him? You guys have drafted so many first and second round cornerbacks, it's unbelievable, and none of them pan out. Well, I guess Cam Dantzler in the third round seems pretty clutch. He's fine, but everybody else has been trash, including Patrick Peterson, who you guys brought in. So absolute best case scenario, your quarterback is the same quarterback. Your running backs are the same running backs. Your tight end is the same tight end. Your offensive line is the same offensive line. Your wide receivers are the exact same wide receivers. Your defensive line um, stagnates and doesn't get worse, which seems unlikely to me, but maybe. By the way, it's still nowhere near as good as it was, what, three, four years ago when you guys had just two dominant edge rushers and some really good defensive tackles. You're nowhere near that these days. You've got some bigger run-defending defensive tackles. You've got Daniil Hunter, who has to learn to play in a new scheme, and broke down Zadarius Smith, who uh, last time he played had a uh, 56 overall grade, which seems ridiculous. Like, of course, he's not that bad. That's what he was almost his entire career. I talk about guys all the time that get paid because of massive outliers. 2019 was a massive outlier. Here are Zadarius Smith's grades in his career. 58, 54, 60, 69. 90, and then 76, and then 56. 76, which is way lower than what he was in 2019 when he was the third best pass rusher in football via PFF, was still, by a wide margin, his second best year. He's had two quote-unquote good years ever. So, I mean, is it impossible he gets back to 70s or whatever because the whole scheme and everything, it, it works out with Petten and those guys, like they know how to use them? Yeah, maybe. Is he going to be 90 overall, third best pass rusher in football? I find that wildly unlikely. Linebackers are largely the same with the exception of replacing one with Hicks, and then you added one corner and one safety. This is your team. This is what you're all hyped up about. This is what's going to massively change your team. And, and massively change what? You were 8-9 and nine last year. What does this give you, 13 wins? How? Again, the best parts of your team are still the best parts of your team, your quarterback and your wide receivers. That's the best thing. You, and Daniil Hunter, who, again, I still don't know exactly how that works for him. I understand you're, you're mostly in nickel and dime. Where you, fine, but you're not always. You're sometimes in base. What, 30% of the time, 20% of the time? What do you do with Daniil? You kick him inside or you pull him off the field? It's a big deal. But you won eight games. So, so what, Andrew Booth is going to give you four wins? <laughs> this is stupid goes on to say, and with their divisional foes taking hits to their offense, like the Bears' loss of Allen Robinson and the Packers' and Adams split, the Vikings' defense is in a prime position to match up well with anybody in the division. Oh, so the, the Bears and the Packers are the only teams that lost anybody, right? You haven't lost anybody like Tyler Conklin or Mason Cole or Rashad Hill or Luke Stocker or Wayne Gallman or Chris Herndon or Dede Westbrook or Chad Beebe or Brandon Dillon or Dakota Dozier, right? You didn't lose anybody on offense. And this defense that is just primed to take over, the defense that lost Anthony Barr and lost Xavier Woods and lost Sheldon Richardson and lost Everson Griffin and lost Nick Vigil and lost Michael Pierce and lost Mackenzie Alexander, uh, lost just Sean Bauer. Uh, and lost Eddie Yarbrough, the, those, that defense is primed to take over. You added how many guys on your defense again? You added a linebacker to replace the departed Anthony Barr and Nick Vigil. So you're down two and up one. Congratulations. You added a safety to replace Xavier Woods. Xavier Woods, very good safety. You added a defensive tackle to replace Sheldon Richardson and Michael Pierce. 
That is a downgrade. And you replaced Everson Griffin with Zadarius Smith. Maybe a slight upgrade. Maybe. We'll see. That defense, which has at best stagnated, is going to dominate because other teams lost some offensive pieces. Allen Robinson, who was a garbage wide receiver last year, and Devontae Adams. Granted, very good player. And yeah, that does hurt the Packers a little bit. But, I mean, are we just going to ignore how the Packers got better while massively inflating how you supposedly got better and which I don't see anywhere where you got better? What's one, what is one area the Vikings got better? Corner is the only area I can see, but you lost Mackenzie Alexander, didn't you? Not saying he's good, but still, you, you, he was a second-round pick. Mackenzie Alexander was a second-round pick, and you replaced him with a second-round pick, and, and you're just automatically better. Goes on to say, speaking of quarterback, her cousins and the team were able to work on a one-year extension. He must deliver the goods again this season. Cousins was good enough to be a top-ten quarterback, ranking ninth in both yards and touchdowns last season. Armed again with superstar receivers Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and a budding star in K.J. Osborne, he could outperform those prior numbers this season. Again, you guys got to stop. And this is how you know that they're going to fail. This is how you know. Because the only hope they have is that the guys that are already good get better. Kirk Cousins is not going to get better. I'm glad you at least acknowledged he was good last year. Finally, Vikings fans hate to admit that. They want him replaced so bad. But armed with superstar receivers Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, let's stop there for a second. Adam Thielen is that light that's starting to flicker off. He's going to be 32 this year. In the last three years, he's had one superstar quote-unquote season. That was in 2020. In 2019, he ranked 25th. In 2021, he ranked 35th, which is the lowest ranking he's had in the NFL since he basically started on the team in 2016. He came into the league in 2014. He didn't get starter snaps till 2016. And he basically has just been... So last year was his worst year since he kind of came into a starting role on the team. And again, he's turning 32, which is another issue that I've always had with this team is the talent you have are the guys that are on the way out. Harrison Smith, Kirk Cousins, Jared, uh, uh, Dalvin Cook. Again, he's, he's young, but let's be completely honest. The dude is, is about time to cash it in. Adam Thielen. I mean, Patrick Peterson, I guess. I don't, I don't even know what you're supposed to do with that guy. And, and KJ Osborne is supposed to be a star. Excuse me. What was that? What are you talking about? He's drafted in 2020 in the fifth round and didn't play at all in, in 2020. And then in 2021, he plays and at a 64 overall grade was ranked 76th. I mean, come on, man. I mean, we, we, we Packer fans might be getting a little bit over-optimistic about a couple of the guys, especially like Romeo Dobbs and stuff. You know, Samori Torre is a seventh round pick and we're like, dude, he could be legitimately good. It's like, let's just calm down. He's a seventh round pick. The odds are like 5%, but you know, maybe, who knows? We'll see. But at least our hype about Christian Watson is a second-round pick from a team that has a great record of drafting, especially wide receivers early. I know that's Ted compared to whatever, but it's a longer history than just Ted Thompson. And by the way, this guy was in the room during all those drafts, and he was brought in because he was one of the best evaluators of all the guys that was left over after Ted. That guy decided Christian Watson was a great pick to trade up for at the top of the second round. This is a fifth-round pick who didn't see the field in his first year that came out this year out of necessity because you have nobody else for a team that apparently likes to use more wide receivers, which seems like a disaster to me, because you're a team that has always lived with two wide receivers and nobody else. Suddenly you want more wide receivers and you want to split out your running back? I'm sorry, that's not not a good decision, right? You, historically, the, the Vikings are a team that have had one or two good wide receivers with a massive drop-off. Just stick with the two wide receivers. But, you know, do whatever you got to do. I guess KJ's better step up here. And then this final paragraph probably makes me angrier than everything else. One thing is for sure, though, even though the Vikings have the best talent on paper, just 
Oh, freaking. I swear. The best talent on paper. What paper? What kind of freaking paper are you using? Toilet paper? What, what is this? It's the, only, it's the only thing I can picture. When you think Minnesota Vikings talent, I think use toilet paper. Anyways, even though the Vikings have the best talent on paper, all of their success is contingent on O'Connell and Cousins being on the same page. Oh, is that all it takes? You sound like a Bears fan right now. All we need is a, is a, a uh, head coach that can whisper into the ear of the quarterback sweet nothings. We've been over this a billion times, you... There we go. Quarterback, not le problema. Your quarterback can, can talk to your coach about whatever they want. Doesn't matter. He's not the problem. The, the, this is so stupid. Oh my goodness. All we need is for our, our head coach and quarterback to be on the same page. Well, that's true. It would, it would be a better situation than last year when your head coach hated your quarterback. But again, quarterback is not the problem. If you're going to have success, maybe don't have the 24th ranked defense, 30th ranked defense in terms of yards. Maybe don't be the 23rd ranked defense against the pass. Maybe don't be the 29th ranked defense against the run. But all we need is a coach that can whisper into my quarterback's ear, you dummy. No. If they are, the NFC North could be in for an era dominating, but dominated by purple and skull chance. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe. If O'Connell and Cousins can be on the same page, then there's going to be purple and skull chance everywhere. Why? Why would that? Why would that be a thing? That doesn't make sense. In fact, you know, usually when you write a conclusion, the point of the conclusion is to take everything I've said and to tie it up in a pretty bow. You haven't even mentioned this, aside from like the first paragraph when you vaguely mentioned how O'Connell did a thing in with the Rams quarterback. But every paragraph in between has been about your two draft picks that are going to save the world and some free agents that replaced guys, but we're going to pretend they didn't replace guys. They're just additions, which is false. And we're going to pretend that the Packers and Bears lost talent, but we didn't. That's, that's what you, that was the fantasy you portrayed in this article. And then your conclusion is, if O'Connell can talk to Cousins, we're good. What the heck was all the paragraphs in between about? None of that matters. All you need is, is O'Connell to whisper into the ear of Cousins, and you're going to dominate purple and skull chants everywhere. Draft Network needs to step up their game, dude, because this is, I mean, it's not even, it's not even biased. This is just bad. This doesn't make sense, but this is sort of the DNA right now of Vikings fans. And I was going to move on to where the Bears are at, but we're kind of running long as it is. So I guess we'll just stop and maybe look at that tomorrow. But the DNA of Vikings fans is optimism because they haven't conceded their fate yet. And and it's probably the Packers' fault. If, if, if uh, Devontae was still here, maybe they'd be like, all right, fine, we're not going to win. But with Devontae leaving, everybody thinks they got a shot. We got a shot now. Packers are done. They're cooked. They don't have Devontae. They're going to be so bad. But yet the Bears have a chance if their quarterback can step up, right? Isn't, isn't that, isn't like if Justin Fields becomes a great quarterback, ask around. What, what does that mean? Ask Bears fans. If Justin Fields could take a big step, and let's just say he's a top five quarterback, what does that mean for the Bears? Now translate that over to the Green Bay Packers, because we already have that guy. His name is Aaron Rodgers. We also have a solid offensive line in running backs and defensive line, pass rushers, linebackers, corners, and safeties. We have, I think, hands down the best defense in the NFC North, and it's not even close. We have the best quarterback in the NFC North. The wide receivers, by the way, are not bad. It's to be determined. We don't know 
what the situation with the wide receivers is going to be. We don't know what Alan Lazard is going to be now that he's going to be thrust into that top role. Maybe. Maybe he won't even be that. We don't know anything about Amari, right? If they could talk about KJ Osborne, why can't I talk about Amari? Again, I'm not saying he's a budding superstar because that would be stupid. I'm just saying we don't know. We also drafted three wide receivers. We got to see if any of them can be good at football. But, but this, is, this is the problem that I have. Everybody else, they drafted a guy, boom, solved it, boom. And it's Lewis Seen, bro, safety is going to be dominant. Dominant, bro. Didn't you have good safeties before and you lost one and you just replace him with a guy and you don't know if he's going to be any good? How, how are you saying this is going to be great? Well, I, it's going to be great. Booth, dude, corner, going to have good corners now. Are you going to have good corners? You have one mediocre third-round pick. You've got an old, washed-up Patrick Peterson and a guy who you have no idea if he's going to be any good. That's your cornerback group. The Packers have Stokes, Razul, Jair, Amos, Savage, right? And we have some idea of what these guys are. Amos is about as consistent as they come. Jair, you know, is going to be good. I don't know exactly how good, but you know he's going to be good at football. And then you've got Savage with the potential to get better because we saw him take a step in year two of Pettin's scheme, and then we changed away from Pettin, and he kind of regressed a little bit. And we'll see if he takes a step in year two of, of Barry's scheme. You got Stokes going into year two. Not exactly sure what Razul is going to bring, but we'll see. But we, we have a pretty good idea of, of what we've got. And then, and then we added stuff. And, and again, if, we, if you just look at it, we added a linebacker, right? We didn't replace somebody. I mean, we kind of did, I guess, but not anybody that would be any good. Like the Vikings replaced a good safety with an unknown quantity. We replaced a linebacker that shouldn't be on the field with a first round pick who is built like Devondre Campbell to be Devondre Campbell part two, who's going to learn from Devondre Campbell. I don't know if Quay Walker's going to be any good, but I have very strong reasons to believe that, you know, using rationality, it makes sense that he would thrive in this system. I'll get more into that when we talk probably tomorrow about defensive and offensive rookie of the year. But then you look at Devondre Campbell. Sorry, not Devondre Campbell. Devontae Wyatt. They start with D's, so there you go. I don't know if Devontae Wyatt's going to be any good. I know he is an athletic freak. I know he's one of the freakiest human beings to ever play the defensive tackle position. And I know that he has one of the best pass rushers in football on one side of him. I know he has one of the better defensive tackles in football. And Kenny Clark is slightly overstated, but he's very, very good on the other side of him. And so I have reason to believe that he can thrive. There's, there's, you know what I mean? I mean, it, it makes sense. And is, is he, yeah, but is he just replacing a really good pass rushing defensive tackle or run defender or whatever? No, he's not. No, he's not. He's replacing Tyler Lancaster, who, you know, I like Tyler, but he's just a big nose tackle. We, we didn't have this position. In fact, we've been screaming to get this guy forever, and now we got him. Anyways, the point is that there's arguments to be made. They're just not very good ones. Devontae leaving is the best argument they have. I mean, it's very similar to Bears and Vikings fans talking about how you guys haven't won a Super Bowl, right? You get close, but you don't win. It's it's the best argument they have, but it's just not a very good one. Losing Devontae is, is, a, is a big loss, no question. But that doesn't change the offensive line, the quarterback, the running backs, the defensive tackles, the edge rushers, the linebackers, the corners, the safeties. It doesn't change the head coach, the defensive coordinator. It doesn't change the fact that we went out and got a special teams guy. Which again, can't guarantee it's going to fix anything, but there's a good chance that we're not worse. And in fact, there's, there's a pretty good chance that we're getting better just, just based on, you know, law of averages, I guess. I don't know, based on math. But again, that's how you know that it's, it's an article that doesn't really believe what it's saying because it has to tell a bunch of half-truths, right? Look at all the guys we added. You mean replaced? Look at all the guys you lost. You mean one guy and you lost 
a bunch too. What do you, you know, it's just, it's, it's dishonest. And honestly, it, it kind of makes me happy because it shows me that deep down inside, he knows. He knows that he's lying. He knows he's lying to try to make a point. He's lying to himself, first of all, and then he's writing an article to lie to everybody else. Because he knows at the end of the day, the Green Bay Packers are going to win the division. They're going to dominate the Vikings, the Bears, and the Lions. And then they're going to be left with nothing else but sitting there watching the playoffs, hoping that they fall out again so that they can make fun of the Packers for being better than them, but still not quite the best in football. Because, you know, that'll show them. Anyways, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.